Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. December 13th, 2020. You know, I gotta tell you, looking back at this year, this has been the craziest year of my life. Like as a culture, it's for sure been the most fearful year of my lifetime. It's been the most divided year of my lifetime, and it's probably been the most confusing year of my lifetime. And yet, having said all that, I would also say this, it's been one of the most inspirational years of my lifetime too. Man, I'm so grateful to be part of this movement called Southside Church. Because when faced with the adversity like we've all been faced with for 2020, I think we have a couple of choices. Number one, we can shake our fist at the fickle finger of fate and, and, and get mad and upset about all the things that we can't do. Or we can use our creativity and our ingenuity and we can figure out what we can do. And what we found out in 2020 is that we can still make an impact. In fact, we made an impact in 2020 in a record-setting fashion on three different levels. Number one, we made a tangible impact. We really believe here at Southside Church that we need to make a tangible impact because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And you go, yeah, yeah, Mike, I get it. That's a catchphrase, heard it before. No, listen, listen to me, please. The world is spiritually hungry. The world desperately needs Jesus. And yet, for too many years, there's been too many Christians and too many churches that have been way too quick to tell everybody what they know and way too slow to show everybody that they care. Way too quick to point a finger of judgment and way too slow to extend a helping hand. We're a church that wants to extend a helping hand. And one of the things that we say around Southside Church is this, even though we can't fix everything, we're still gonna do something. And it's been amazing watching because over and over again, we've seen that when we step out and do something, God takes our something and he uses it to change everything in a life, in a marriage, in a family. So you made a tangible impact. Secondly, we want to make a relational impact. I was talking to some friends the other day, and one of them said this. He said, you never know how badly you need people in your life until you do. You, you never know how badly you need someone to have your back until you do. You, you never know that we can't really make it on, your, on our own until we do. And I'll tell you what 2020 has been. 2020 has been an until you do kind of year. You never know that you can't make it on your own until you do. And, and, and so I'm so proud of the way that our church has come together, even in a year in which for much of it, we haven't been able to gather together. Do you know that we have more people in small groups than we've ever had in the history of our church right now? Isn't that incredible? And so I want to ask you a question. How are you doing? No, seriously, how are you doing? I want to know. You say, well, Mike, how are you doing? I've tried to be really open and honest this year about how I'm doing, but, but I can tell you. I can tell you that in 2020, I learned something that maybe you already knew. I learned that there's all kinds of different sorts of exhaustion, right? There's like a, a tired kind of exhaustion, right? Like I didn't get enough sleep over the last couple nights. I need a nap, okay? And then there's a physical kind of exhaustion. Like uh, I've been playing basketball for three hours without a break. What I really need is a water bottle and a place to sit down. And then there's like a mental kind of exhaustion, isn't there? Like... I've been writing this essay. I've been working on these blueprints. I've been solving these problems for four hours. I need to go for a walk. But what I found in 2020 is that there's another kind of exhaustion. It's an emotional, spiritual kind of exhaustion. It happens when you stack care on top of care, on top of care, on top of care, until you can't carry that care anymore. 
And you know what doesn't fix it? A nap doesn't fix it. A water bottle doesn't fix it. Even a long walk doesn't fix it. What I found in 2020 is that I need to go back to Jesus. In Matthew 11, Jesus says this, Come to me if you are weary or burdened, and you will find rest for your souls. Or 1 Peter chapter 5, which says this, Cast your cares on him. Another translation says, Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So that's how I'm doing. How are you? I really want to know. We really want to know. We have a whole bunch of feedback loops. One is just our text line, 604-670-3040. You can text us anytime. If there's something that we can help with, if there's something that we can pray about, if there's something that we can uh, support you in, we would love to do that. You can also contact us off of our website. We have a Southside Together chat box on every page of our website. Or you can email me, Mike at Southside Life. I'd love to hear from you. I am going to warn you, though, is if you email me, one of the first things I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to orchestrate a way that we can get you surrounded by some good people. Because here's the thing that 2020 has shown me, that you don't know that you can't make it on your own until you do. So I've seen this make a tangible impact, a relational impact, and, and, and we're still making a spiritual impact. The world has never needed Jesus as badly as the world needs Jesus right now. See, because despite everything that's happening all around us, because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he comes in and he changes us from the inside. And then he used changed people to change our world. And it's so awesome because as a church, we don't have to be judges that hammer our gavel and pass a judgment. We don't have to be a lawyer that argues. We just get to be witnesses. That talk about the fact that Jesus has done this for me and I know that he can do the same for you. It's incredible. It's been a record-setting year of impact. And I want to just invite you for a second right now as we move towards the end of 2020 to participate in our year-end offering, to be a part of what we're doing at Southside Church. Because I really want to finish this year off with impact. And as amazing as 2020 has been, I'm still pretty convinced that the best is yet to come. I had someone come to me the other day and say, Mike, do you really believe that when you say that the best is yet to come? After 2020, yes, I really believe that the best is yet to come. Absolutely. So I would love for you to be a part of this, whether you've never given to Southside Church before or whether you're someone who does give regularly. Maybe you could pray and ask if God wants, to step, wants you to step out in, in, in an act of extra generosity. Because here's what I know about you and me. We were never meant to be stagnant sloughs. We were meant to be running rivers, right? Like the problem with a stagnant slough is that resources, i.e. water, flows in and flows in and flows in and flows in and it never flows out. So there's decay and there's rot and there's stink. That's not you. You and me were meant to be running rivers, that God's resources flow to us and through us, that we're blessed to be a blessing, that we receive his hope and we extend it. We receive his grace and we extend it. We receive his generosity and we extend it. So would you step up and be a part of what we're doing at Southside? Let's continue to make an impact together. So you can text the keyword GIVE to 604-670-3040, or you can go onto our website and follow the prompts to give there. That would be amazing. So I got this from a friend who lives in the Maritimes recently. I'll read it to you. He says, as a bagpiper, I play many gigs. Recently, I was asked by a funeral director to play at a graveside service for a homeless man. He had no family or friends, so the service was to be at a pauper cemetery in the Nova Scotia backcountry. As I was not familiar with the backwoods, I got lost, and being a typical man, I didn't stop for directions. 
I finally arrived an hour late and I saw the funeral guy had evidently gone and the hearse was nowhere in sight. There were only the diggers and crew left and they were eating lunch. I felt badly and I apologized to the men for being late. I went to the side of the grave and looked down and the vault lid was already in place. I didn't know what else to do so I started to play. The workers put down their lunches and began to gather around. I played out my heart and soul for this man with no family or friends. I played like I've never played before for this homeless man. And as I played Amazing Grace, the workers began to weep. They wept. I wept. We all wept together. When I finished, I packed up my bagpipes and I started for my car. Though my head was hung low, my heart was so full. And as I opened the door to my car, I heard one of the workers say, I've never seen anything like that before. And I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. See, here's the thing. When we get confused, things get crazy. And I want to mention that because I really believe that there's a lot of confusion in our culture around the topic of heaven. What happens to us when our time on earth is up? And I want to further suggest to you that that confusion is not a coincidence. It's intentional. That we have a spiritual enemy named the devil. And what he does is he's intentionally moving this concept of heaven to a lame, ethereal, boring picture. And what it does is it robs us of our hope. It robs us of our wonder. It robs us of our peace. And it robs us of our faith. Right? Because we say this to somebody. Man, you should really trust in God. Well, what God are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about the God who's prepared a place for you. What's it like? It's lame, ethereal, and boring. Isn't that awesome? No, it's not. No, it's not. But the place that God has prepared for you and prepared for me is not lame, ethereal, or boring. It's anything but. And so what I want to do over these next three weeks is I want to preach three sermons. First of all, today I want to talk about who you will be in heaven. Next week, I want to talk about um, where you'll be in heaven. And then finally, I want to end in our Christmas services on who you'll meet in heaven. These three sermons, honestly, I believe they are going to be, I remember where I was when sermons. Sadly, you're going to hear heaven discussed in a way that maybe you have never heard before in your life. But man, I can't wait. Because I believe that you're going to renew your hope in someday and restore your wonder on this day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. And I pray that you would speak through me right now. God, I pray that for every one of us, as we speak of what, what you have prepared for us, that you would renew our hope in someday, but restore our wonder today. Father, I thank you that as you spared no expense when you sent your son, Jesus, to die for our sins and to rise again, that you're sparing no expense as you prepare a place for us. We're thankful in your name. Amen. These are going to be three sermons that you'll look back and say, man, I remember where I was. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say right now, you need to invite everyone you know. You need to share this with everyone you know. Because today I want to talk about this. Who will you be in heaven? Who will you be in heaven? In fact, the way the sermon morphed a little bit, it ended up more like, who won't you be? Okay? So I'm going to tell you three things that you will never be in heaven. Make sense? Three things that you will never be in heaven. Number one, you will never be disappointed in heaven. You will never be disappointed in heaven. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 15 says. Our bodies now disappoint us. No kidding. No kidding. Our bodies now disappoint us, but when they are all raised, they will be full of glory. 
They are weak now, but when they are raised, they will be full of power. Your body currently disappoints you on some level. You will never be disappointed in heaven. You say, well, I have a perfect physique, Mike. Sure you will. Sure you will. But it goes way beyond that. No more aches, no more pains, no more sickness, no more disease. And I'm not just talking about physical. I'm talking about mental illness also. Because it's all part of your physiology, right? You know, there's some medical experts that say that we currently own, we currently only use about 10% of our brain's capacity. (laughs) And I know what you're thinking. You're looking at me right now going, man, I know somebody that I'm sure uses way less than that. I know, we all know some two percenters, okay? I get it, I get it, I get it. But but what if they're even kind of right? Can you imagine what's going to happen when that capacity gets unlocked? See, what I'm saying is this. I'm saying not only will you be freed up from physical weaknesses, but it's going to be way more than that. That you're going to be able to break through limitations that seem unbreakable from the perspective of this planet, right? Like right now, the body that you have is temporary. One day you're going to get an eternal body. Right now, the body you have um, is weak, but one day you're going to get a powerful body, a resurrection body. And we actually do have an example of a resurrection body. Uh, Jesus died and rose again. And so we can look at what his resurrection body was like. And then we look at 1 John, cha- uh, 1 John chapter 3. Listen to this. He says this. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. So what do we know about the resurrection body of Jesus? Well, we know that he could walk through walls. We, we know that he could fly. The disciples stood and watched him ascend into heaven. Okay, so what I'm saying is as he was, you will be like that. So as Jesus walked through walls, you will walk through walls. As Jesus walked on water, I know this was before resurrection, but I believe you'll walk on water. And as Jesus flew, you will fly. And how cool will that be? <laughs> like, imagine, like, like I, I think back to, like one of the most painful memories of my childhood. I was like eight, maybe nine years old, and me and a bunch of my buddies were going to build a tree fort. Okay, so we went to this grove of trees beside a farmer's field, and we found that somebody had been there before us, and you could tell that it had been a while ago, but they had started building a tree fort already. And, and even when I was a kid, I was not super handy. I was just not a handy guy. So when I saw that somebody had already started, I'm like, man, this is going to save us time. I'm like, let's use that one. Let's use the one that's already been started. And my buddies looked and said, well, number one, we kind of wanted to build our own tree fort. And number two, it doesn't look very sturdy. And I'm like, not sturdy. Are you guys crazy? So I climbed up the tree and I stood on this partially built tree fort. And just to prove to my buddies that this, this thing was incredibly sturdy, you know what I did, right? I jumped up and down. I said, look at this, guys. And obviously, the next thing that happened, it broke and I fell. Okay, and I don't know exactly what happened next, to be truthful. Like, I know I fell partially on a barbed wire fence. I know that I hit my head and got a concussion. You're like, that explains a lot. I know it totally does. But you know what I do remember? I remember that moment when I realized, oh, no. Okay, now imagine in heaven. Imagine you and me building a tree fort in heaven. And you say, why in the world would we build a tree fort in heaven? Why in the world wouldn't we? And there'll be no moments like that because we'll be able to fly. You say, Mike, you're really overstating this. Actually, I'm not. You know, the Bible says that no eye has seen and no ear 
has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for you and me. In other words, I know one thing for sure, I'm understating it, but I'm just going to do my best. Like imagine this, imagine if the words out of Isaiah chapter 40 are more than just imagery. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll rise on wings like eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. Run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. Man, imagine that. You will never be disappointed. Your vision will be incredible, incredibly sharp. And not only will you be able to see further and better, but you'll be able to see colors that you can't even imagine from the perspective of this planet. Your hearing will be amazing. Not only will you be able to hear better, but you're going to hear sounds and notes and music that you wouldn't even be capable of hearing from the perspective of this planet. You're never going to be disappointed. Not only are your weaknesses going to be gone, right? Eternal life, eternal health, eternal youth. But you're going to break through limitations that seem unbreakable from this planet. So number one, you're never going to be disappointed. Number two, you're never going to be directionless. There's going to be a reason for you. There's going to be a purpose for you. You're going to have a job. (laughs) There's going to be work for you to do. And I know now you're going to click off. You're going to go like, are you kidding me? Like, I thought this was heaven. I'm going to have work to do. Yeah, yeah, but you just need to hear me out for a second. Okay, because it's not the kind of work that maybe you're thinking of. So number one, even if we go back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 2, it says that Jesus created the first man, Adam, and he placed him in the Garden of Eden to work in it and to care for it. Okay, so work is what we do even in a perfect world. And we're created in the image of God. And you know, God's a worker. God didn't just create the world and then put up his feet and retire. In John chapter 5, Jesus says this, My father is always about his work, even to this present day, and I also am working. In fact, Jesus took joy from his work. In John chapter 4, Jesus said this, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So you're going to have work to do, but I want you to imagine for a second the best work that you've ever done the most captivating work that you've ever done, the most energizing work that you've ever done, the kind of work that you just can't wait to get to. And if you get interrupted, you can't wait to get back to it. Like, can you imagine if our brains are completely unlocked and we live in a world with no jealousy, no comparison, no fear, no anger, can you imagine the things that you're going to be able to create? The innovation, the goals that you're going to be able to set. Man, look, imagine just for a second the buildings that our carpenters will build, the designs that our architects will be able to make, the crops that our farmers will be able to design, the music that our musicians will be able to make, the cars that our car makers will be able to design. You say, there's going to be cars in heaven? Why wouldn't there be? No pollution. But cars, you know, the other day my son Lucas and I were talking about 2021 Corvettes just talking about how cool they are. And I remember walking away from that conversation thinking to myself, I'll probably never have a 2021 Corvette in this lifetime. Well, actually, I do kind of have a plan, to be honest with you. One one of the overseers of this church is George Franco. He's one of my best friends. And uh, he lives in North Carolina, so he hasn't been able to travel much. But back when we were allowed to travel, George would come and spend time with us once in a while. And one of the meetings that we had, everyone was being really, really vulnerable. And George shared that one of his biggest weaknesses, one of his biggest fears is letting people down. 
Okay, so ever since he said that, every time I talk to George, at the end of the conversation, I say the same thing. I say, George, it'd be really cool if you could buy you and me matching 2021 Corvettes. But if you're gonna let me down, I guess that's okay, right? And so I'm thinking to myself, if you can't manipulate your best friends, who can you manipulate? Am I right? Okay, so, so anyways, I probably won't get a 2021 Corvette. But just imagine what there will be in heaven. Imagine the work that you'll be able to do. Think about the kind of work that you just can't wait to get to. It energizes you. And you, if you get interrupted, you can't wait to get back to it. And looking back at my life, I can think of a couple examples. The first one for me is teaching school. And I remember the first few years that I was teaching school, I would call my mom and dad up all the time and I would say, I honestly can't believe that I get paid for doing this. This is crazy. I just remember being a teacher and thinking that it was my opportunity, my responsibility, and my privilege to help these young men and young women learn, to help them exceed their own expectations, to achieve more than they thought they could achieve, to work maybe harder than they had ever worked before at something. You know, and I knew in order to do that, we, uh, we had to have a lot of fun. So man, I just remember spending hours and hours and hours and hours, I had these old agenda books and I would just fill them with illustrations and stories and games. Man, we played so many games in my classes. But my favorite days of all were test days, when I knew that they were ready. And don't get me wrong, my tests were so hard and I marked difficult, but I knew when my class was ready and almost always they were. And so I'll give them the test. And so let's say I handed it out on a Wednesday. And I had 30 students in my class, and it was a lot of long answers and essays. And I knew that I had that class again Wednesday. Man, I would work as hard as I had to work to get those tests marked and ready to hand back on the Friday. And I just remember how good it felt to walk over to a C student and give him a B paper. To walk over to a B student and give him an A paper. To walk over to that kid who said, man, I just can't learn. I'm no good at school. Man, I'm just stupid. I can't do history. And walk over and say, hey, mister, I can't do school. 91%. Boom. I loved it. I loved it. It was such a time of celebration. You know, and, and, and not worrying about what the kid beside you got. Worrying about the fact that you killed it. You did way better than you thought you could. It was a time of celebration. And I, and, and I guess they celebrated me a little bit too. They said, man, thanks for pre preparing us. Mr. Manis, the work that you do in heaven is going to be like that. Man, a lot of celebration. Celebrating the God who put us there. Celebrating each other. Celebrating the gifts that he gave you. Man, you're going to love the work that you get to do in heaven. Another thing I love to do is I, I love to prepare and preach sermons. <clears throat> I pray and I study and I write. I pray and I study and I rewrite. I send it to Corinne, my wife, to edit it because she's the most brilliant person I know. And then I take it and I pray and I study and I rewrite it again. And then I work through it until it's right here in my heart. And I pray, God, would you please use it to inspire? Would you please use it to encourage? And then I preach. And it's so cool because once in a while I, I hear that God used that message to inspire someone, to encourage somebody. And it's just amazing. I want you to think about it. Whatever you're gifted to do, that the work that you do in heaven is going to inspire people. It's going to encourage people. You say, well, we're not really going to need to be inspired in heaven. I know we're going to love to be inspired in heaven. We're not going to really need to be encouraged, but we're going to love to be encouraged. The work that you do is going to be a celebration. 
an inspiration and an encouragement. So number one, you're never going to be disappointed. Number two, you're never going to be directionless. And finally, number three, you're never going to be done. You're never going to be done. I love the words in Romans 8, verse 15. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? You're going to be an adventurer in heaven. It's funny because I heard someone say once, well, there, there can't really be adventure in heaven because there's going to be no threat, no enemy, and no danger. And without danger, there can't be adventure. I would respond to that in two ways. Number one, I'm not so sure. And number two, it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, so first let me talk about I'm not so sure that there won't be danger in heaven. Just hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Look at this passage in Revelation 22. This is the vision that John, the apostle John, got of heaven. He said, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb of God down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So first of all, how cool is that scene? Like you get the sense that the Apostle John, like he tried to write it down as best he could, but maybe words even failed him. But think of that image for a second. There's this big street. And what do they say the streets are made of in heaven? That the streets are made of gold. But when I picture it, I see this golden street as translucent gold. And so I'm driving down there with George in our 2021 Corvettes or something way cooler, or we're walking or whatever, we're running, whatever it is. But we're on this street, but it's translucent gold. And we look underneath it, and, 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 and there's the river. And sometimes the river is right up close, so that you can see the fish and all the other water animals in there. But sometimes the river is way down there, deep in a canyon, in the rapids, and you look down, and you're just like amazed. But not only that, you're going down this street, and on either side of the street, on either side of this massive street, is the tree of life. This is bigger than any tree you've ever seen. Like this is a tree higher than the highest mountain, and massive. Like I want you to think about it this way, that it's like a tunnel, and you're driving through it, but you could drive for 50 kilometers and you're still in it. And it's never dark because it's lit by the life that comes from the tree of life. But there's three things specifically that really caught my eye about that tree. So number one, it's this. It yields its fruit when? Every month. How many months in the year? Twelve. Right. Right. Okay. How many seasons in a year? Four seasons. Right? So it's really cool to know that even though we'll be eternal, will sti still keep time. There'll still be months and there will still be seasons. What a relief. That's so cool. I know I've told you before, I really believe that we live here in the Fraser Valley of BC in one of the most beautiful places in the planet, for sure. I love it so much. But one of the things that we don't have here is we don't have four seasons, do we? Like some people say we have two. The positive people say we have sun and no sun. The negative people say we have rain and no rain. Okay, so what, however you want to describe it, we kind of have two seasons. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining. Like, it's really amazing to live here. Like, I remember shortly after my mom and dad moved out here, my dad and I went golfing on Boxing Day. We went golfing on Boxing Day. See, where we're from, the prairies of Canada, you do not go golfing 
on Boxing Day. Okay, that's for sure. But anyways, we went golfing one day on Boxing Day, and I remember I hit an approach shot. It went way up in the air, and I said to my dad, I have no idea where that went, which incidentally is a comment I make very often on the golf course. Okay, but on this particular day, I said, I have no idea where that went. The sun is in my eyes. And my dad and I looked at each other for a second, and we just burst out laughing. See, here's what would not have happened in Red Deer, Alberta. We would not have been golfing on Boxing Day, probably not complaining that the sun was in our eyes. Make sense? But, but, man, I, I wish I could bring you to central Alberta in early September. The rolling hills and the beautiful golden wheat fields as far as the eye could see. The leaves changing colors. The sunshine during the day but the crisp air at night. I wish I could show you that. I wish I could bring you to central Alberta for the winter if you could handle it. Like that feeling of walking outside from the inside and the ability to see your breath or the sound that your boots make as they crunch across the snow. Maybe we could go winter water skiing or play some outdoor hockey. And I'm just so excited that there's going to be seasons in heaven. The second thing that caught my eye is that there's fruit on the tree of life. There's fruit. What do you do with fruit? Well, you eat it. Okay? Which is a big deal to me because they'll be eating in heaven. You're not going to believe this, but there's people out there who say, well, you won't eat in heaven because you won't have to. Well, of course you won't have to, you daft idiot. Like, it's, it's like you're going to want to. Like, it's going to be the best food that you could ever imagine, better than you can ever imagine. You say, Mike, I, you're overplaying it. No, I'm underplaying it, actually, but I'm just doing the best that I can. And finally, it says that the trees, or the, sorry, the leaves on the tree of life are for the healing of the nations. And I know a big picture of what that means. The healing of the nations means no more enmity. No more prejudice. No more jealousy. No more greed. No more racism. How cool is it going to be in heaven? Every tribe, every nation, every era together in unity. But, but, what if the healing of the nations is also like literally healing. Right? So like you and me are going to play tackle football in heaven. I can't wait, right? But maybe someday you tackle me too hard and, and, and I actually get injured. But it's okay because like I reach over and I grab like a bottle of healing of the nation's hydration, right? And I drink it and it's all good. I, I don't know that for sure. There might or there might not be danger in heaven, but guess what? It doesn't really even matter. Because I think for us to adventure, we need actually more than danger. You know what we need? We need exploration and discovery. Exploration and discovery. Think about that. That God's creating a new heavens and a new earth. The other day somebody said to me, um, man, if I had a thousand lifetimes, I could never see everything that there is to see in Canada. You're right. But we'll get to it. We'll get to it. A new heaven and a new earth. A new earth infinitely more than we see now and yet recognizable. The whole world to explore and to discover. And not only the world, but a whole universe that God is creating for you and me. Ever expanding. Galaxies, solar systems, stars, planets. You're never going to be done. You get what I'm saying? The exploration is never going to end. The discovery is never going to end. The adventure is always going to continue. You'll never be done. One of my favorite series of books is called the Narnia Chronicles. And kind of one of the central events of the entire books is when these four siblings, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy, walk through a wardrobe and find themselves in this alternate world called Narnia. And 
In Narnia, the animals can talk. And it's all controlled at that time by a white witch. She's evil and she makes it always winter and never Christmas. But the Redeemer shows up. A talking lion named Aslan. And he restores Narnia. He's a Jesus figure in the Narnia books. And so after that happens, the kids go back to our world. And years and years and years later, they show up in Narnia again. And Lucy meets Aslan. And I love the conversation that they have. Aslan says, welcome, child. Aslan said, Lucy, you're bigger. That's because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Do you get it? When you and I have been there for 10,000 years, God will still be able to look at you and say, you haven't seen anything yet. The best is still yet to come. Like, remember when you were a little kid, the night before you were taking that family trip to Disneyland? That feeling? Or the night before you were going to go on that ski trip, or you were going to head to the lake, or maybe even right now, the, when you go to bed and you know that your favorite artist is dropping the album the next day, that feeling of anticipation and exploration and discovery and adventure, it's never going to end. You're never going to be done. So who are you going to be in heaven? Well, number one, you're never going to be disappointed. Not only will you not have physical weaknesses, but you'll be able to break through limitations that seem from the perspective of this planet to seem unbreakable. Number two, you're never going to be directionless. You're going to have work to do, but it's amazing. You're going to use your gifts to do incredible work of celebration, encouragement, and inspiration. And number three, you're never going to be done. You're going to adventure. The exploration is going to continue forever. The discovery is going to continue forever and the best is always going to be yet to come. So what does that mean for you and me today, by the way? Well, first of all, you're never going to be disappointed in heaven. So one day you're going to get a new body. Did you know that? So can I make a suggestion? If you're disappointed with your current body, I would say this, you for sure need to look after it. God entrusted it to you for a time and you should look after it the best that you can. But don't obsess over it. Don't be too hard on yourself. One day you're going to get a new one. Secondly, um, just as we're never going to be directionless in heaven, I want to encourage you right now to do creative work, to do innovative work, to, to bring um, celebration, encouragement, and inspiration to the people around you. You might say, well, I don't like my job, but I just have to do it right now. That's okay. Bring, bring a sense of celebration, innovation, and encouragement to your family. Or how, how about I ask you this? Are, are you serving at Southside Church right now? Man, we would love your help to make an impact to bring celebration, inspiration, and encouragement to our world? Are you given to Southside Church? Man, it's part of why you were placed on this planet. And finally, you're never going to be done. You're going to live an eternity of exploration, adventure, and discovery. So why don't you start now? <laughs> One of the things that you've heard me talk about quite a bit in 2020 is, I think you should get outside a little bit more than you do. I, I think you should. I, I think you should maybe go for more walks you should take more bike rides. You should go skiing a little bit more than you do. You should hit the golf course once in a while. Because it's, it's amazing just to walk around in this creation that we call home. There's always something to see. There's always something to discover. So why don't you start now? And just as I close, I earlier said that, man, it, it's so good to know that our God spared no expense to prepare a place for us. 
But I should also mention to you that he spared no expense when he sent his son Jesus Christ into human history and that Jesus lived, died, and rose again to prepare a way for us to have wonder today and, and, and a hope that never fades someday. So Jesus died for you and he rose again for you. And your next step is real simple. All you need to do is accept the gift of his death and his resurrection to step into everything he has for you today, tomorrow, and forever. So I want to give you the chance to pray that right now. So I'm going to pray along and I just ask if that's you that you would pray with me. So dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I just ask that you would save me. I thank you that you died, that my sins could be forgiven. And so I hand them all to you and I let them go. And I ask you, Jesus, also to lead me. Thank you that you rose again. And I pray that you give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time, today, tomorrow, and forever. I'm so grateful in your name. Amen. 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 I said earlier, sadly, this is a talk on heaven, unlike maybe any that you've ever heard before. So I want to ask you to do me a favor. Two things. Number one, share this to anyone that you know that needs to have hope for someday and wonder for today and also plan to be back here next Sunday as we talk about this. Where exactly are you going to be in heaven and what's it going to be like? You're going to love it. I love you guys a lot. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.